Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a six-part series titled The Circle Maker, based on and around the book by Pastor Mark Batterson. In this series, we'll discover that passionate prayer is a necessity to tap into God's extraordinary life. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. How we doing? I can tell, man, there is a there is a spirit up in this house today of worship, and I love it, I love it, I love it. And you guys get out on a rainy morning to come and be in the house. Oh, we need some seats. We got people standing in the back. Hey, hey, how you doing? She's waving at me. How you doing? Good to see you. Glad you're here. Nice, nice, yeah. Whoever you are, I just I, I can't see. I just see the hand, but I'm sure I know you. Hey, um, yeah, we're full in this place, guys. So if you got a got a seat in there, you just raise a hand, and somebody there you go. There's a few scattered out here. Perfect. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Um, hey, welcome. Glad you are here for the Circle Maker. Welcome to all of our campuses. Like to always, give a warm shout out to the Garner campus over in Garner, North Carolina. To NC- yeah, okay, okay, yeah. We're going to get crazy up here in here today, I can tell, to the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. Yes, we have a campus in a women's prison. Love it, love it, love it. To the Latino campus that meets upstairs in the afternoon, but I know a lot of them worship down here. Love you guys. Welcome to the Internet Campus tonight at 8 p.m. Welcome to the Central Campus and... Welcome to those of you who are sitting here who are going to help us launch our Sanford campus. I want to introduce you to our Sanford campus pastor. Give it up for Nate Mariner. Love that guy. It's going to be a great, great campus. And I just want to say this, guys, if you have not, um, if you've not heard, we're launching that October 21st. And if you live south of us, if you live anywhere near Pittsburgh, Sanford area, I want to strongly encourage you to think about being a part of a core team that's going to meet on September 30th, right upstairs in the student ministry during this service, 1010 service, September 30th, and we're going to start praying and seeking God and building the team to launch this campus in Sanford, North Carolina. And if you live anywhere that way, southward, I want you to think about it. And here's, let let me just say this, this is very important. I don't want you to think about it because it will be far more convenient for you. Because it will be far more convenient for you. We have people that drive a long distance to get here. But we don't do things out of convenience. We launch campuses because we've concluded it is the most strategic, most effective, definitely most economical way in which to reach, teach, and release people all over central North Carolina for Jesus Christ. And so we're going there not out of convenience. That's a byproduct. We're going there to advance the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? That's why we're going. That's why we're going. Here we go. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. No time to play today. Let's jump right in. Luke chapter 11. Open up your teaching notes. I'm sure you got a bulletin. Man, these are some good looking bulletins. Open up your teaching notes. We even got you a circle maker uh, bookmark in there. Get you some of that. Put that in your Bible. Use that for a few weeks. Tear off your teaching notes or just take them in the bulletin. And let's go get this today. As you're turning there, I want to get you to just settle in, grab your pen, settle into your chair, get comfortable. And I want you to imagine a scene. Okay? I want you to imagine a scene. The year is first century 
before Christ. The year is the year of an ending of an era of silence. It's what scholars call the dark era or the silent era. 400 years before Christ, it seemed, he didn't, but it seemed to most people like God had exited stage left. It was a dark period. The prophets of Israel had died. Nobody was hearing a fresh word from God. And there was a man by the name of Hani, H-O-N-I. And Hani, legend tells us, gathered the community and they had experienced an awful drought. Their crops were threatened. Their life, their very existence was threatened. And Hani, in the middle of the community, took a six-foot staff and he drew a circle in the sand, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. And he dropped on his knees in the middle of the circle. And he raised his hands to heaven. And he said, Lord God Almighty, we believe that you still live. Send forth thy reign. And if you don't, we shall surely die. The religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin, ridiculed him. They actually got mad at him for praying such a ridiculous, bold prayer. And yet about that time, as he's on his knees and his hands are lifted up, about that time, a soft sprinkle of rain started to fall, kind of like we've experienced this morning, which I think, by the way, is symbolic of this series kicking off today and God getting ready to rain something down on this church like you have never, ever, ever, ever imagined. And a sprinkle started to fall and Honey raised his hands again. He said, oh God, if I might be so bold, not the rain that I'm hoping for. Lord, we are going to die without rain. We need Rain And about that time, a torrential downpour came. Such that the people in the community scurried away to their villages. It was that hard. And Hani, again, with great, great boldness and precision, raised his hands again and said, Lord God, if I might be so bold, we need a steady rain to water these crops and saturate the ground. And legend has it that right then and there, in a sunlit kind of proportionate rain, started to fall and water the land. And Hani became known as the famous circle maker. Sure, the religious leaders couldn't stand him of the day, but legend has it that because of the bold, audacious, prayers of one man who would believe, who would put himself in a circle and pray and say, God, I'm not coming out of this circle until you send rain. The rain fell and the legend of the circle maker was born. Thus begins Mark Batterson, my good friend's most recent book, The Circle Maker. We've sold thousands of these. How many of you have got them? How many of you got them? Lot, that's a lot of hands that didn't go up though. Hey, hands that didn't go up. Look at me. We got thousands more in the resource center. 
please go buy this book. We're spending five weeks talking about prayer. This book will change the way you pray. It'll change what God does in your life. It'll change the trajectory of all that you are and all that you are becoming. I believe that. This begins the circle maker. A bold prayer prayed by one who was just crazy enough, who was just foolish enough, who didn't care what people thought about him, who was just out there enough to say, God, I'm going to believe that you can do whatever you want to do and I'm going to put it on the line and trust you. Listen, church, I stopped by to tell you today, God is not offended by our bold prayers. God is not offended by our bold prayers. He is offended by anything less Come on, church. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Are you praying any bold prayers these days? Or are you? Are you praying? Because I believe what happens in the Christian walk is that sometimes we shrink back from bold prayers. I believe I'm probably speaking to a lot of people here today that you used to pray bold prayers. You remember what it was like when you first came to faith in Christ? Do you remember how fresh it was? How, how you just, you walked with God and you prayed big, bold, hairy, audacious prayers. But something happens to us, unfortunately, along the way and we start to shrink back. I want to tell you again, listen church, God is not offended by bold prayers. He's offended by anything less. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the circle maker. Luke chapter 11. Here we go, church. Got your Bibles. Look along with me. If not, it will be on the screens for you. One day, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, for you business people among us, notice that the disciples didn't say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to come up with a great business plan. For you worship leaders, all these worship, by the way, Can we give it up for the creative team led by Dave Buckhout, Chris Ferrer, Dustin Fuller? I mean, this is sick. This is sick. Like, what is this? I better stop. I'll break something, sure enough. No, worship leaders, notice they didn't say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to chart a new song. Pastors out there on the internet world, notice they didn't say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to put on great conferences. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And you know what's fascinating to me? Jesus didn't pull out a dry erase board and start waxing eloquently on the formalities of prayer and the, the prayer structure and this and that and, and great theology. Jesus said to their response, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. In other words, guys, Jesus taught them how to pray by basically saying, if you want to learn how to pray, just pray. 
Some of us get too caught up and we think it has to be too formal and we're trying to figure this thing out when in reality, guys, prayer is like talking to a good friend. Prayer is like conversing with a good friend or whoever you are most comfortable conversing with. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a grown child. Prayer is just about conversing with God. If you want to learn how to pray, do so by starting to pray. You just pray. You just start sharing your heart with God. Now, secondly, notice the disciples didn't say, hey, Lord, teach us how to, how to form a 501.3 nonprofit organization. Teach us how to do this. Teach, no, no, he said, teach us how to pray. And after Jesus teaches them, he then tells them a story. It's a great story. And I want to invite you, just in honor of God's word, we do this sometimes. I want to invite you, if you would, to please stand in honor of this last passage here today. Verse 5, if you've got your Bibles. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, Here's key. Here's key. If you've got your pen, underline this. Or when you sit back down, you can. Yet because of your, help me out, church, because of your what? Because of your what? Shameless audacity. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, listen, church, listen, listen, listen. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, speaking to the men in the house, you dads, Jesus speaking straight to you. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Let the church say amen. You can be seated. And as you are, get settled in because I want us to pray. I want us to just have some time here in prayer. Lord God, we realize on the front end of this series that we're about to tap into something more powerful and important than we can even begin to imagine. God, we realize that it is in this one particular area that we tend to fall short. God, I realize that close to everyone that is within the sound of my voice today on the internet or campus level or even here at Central, Almost all of us would say, Lord, we don't pray enough. God, we fall short in this particular area. And yet, Lord God, it is in this area that I have learned over and over and over again that prayer is the difference between me fighting for you and you fighting for me. It is the difference between intimacy and ignorance. Prayer, Lord God, is the difference between fear and faith. Between success and failure. 
Lord, prayer is the difference between the best that we can do as a church in our human strength and the best that you can do in our church with all of your divine power and strength and mercy and love. So God, we ask for your forgiveness and wisdom and strength to let this be a season of great prayer. And we will praise you on the other side, Lord God, as you, our Heavenly Father, give good gifts to us as your children. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, as we've read this passage today, what I want to do today is just kind of peel back just a few layers. We're going to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper each and every week when it comes to prayer. But one of the strengths of this series, I believe, is that Mark Batterson has given us a new dialect, if you will. He's given us a new language to understand prayer. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, let us sing to the Lord a new song. Mark says, let us pray to the Lord a new prayer. And I'm wondering today if I have any circle makers here. I'm wondering today if the church will rise up and join me in a concert of prayer over the course of the next five weeks like we've never prayed before. I'm wondering today, I'm wondering today, at least I got two people that are going to join me in prayer. I'm wondering today if, listen, if, listen, if God would cause us to establish some new habits and a new language of prayer so that when five weeks are gone, that we will become a church that actually lives out Jesus' words when he said, my father's house will be a house of what? Prayer. Let's go get this church. Here are a few things about this particular story that we looked at. It's in your teaching notes. Take in some notes and fill in the blank here. Notice, notice this prayer is not a selfish request. Notice this prayer is not a selfish request. The guy is not getting, guy's not going to the dude at midnight saying, hey, give me something to eat. Knock, 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 knock. Give me something to eat because I forgot to go by the grocery store. Notice that the, the, the guy doesn't go to the fellow at midnight students. I know we got some students back. By the way, welcome back, students. Welcome back from your summer break. Notice he didn't go and say, hey, hey, I forgot to study for my exam. Do you have any cliff notes? Right? Notice the guy doesn't go and knock on the door at midnight and say, hey, you know what? I haven't thought all week long about getting off my derriere and doing a little work, and I need a little supplemental help here. No, 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 no. The guy goes to the midnight knock and says, hey, I have a friend who came by and because he wanted to be hospitable, because he wanted to open up his home and give his friend something, he went and asked for it. Listen, guys, as we raise the temperature on prayer here at New Hope Church, I want to just challenge us on the front end to let's just be careful. Let's not turn our prayer life into a kind of navel gazing self-indulgence kind of prayer where it's all about me, 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 me. Because as we talked about last week, it is all about him, 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 him. And to the extent to which we pray the things that matter most to God for ourselves, yes, at times, but to the extent to which we pray for God's agenda to be done, God's will to be done, and we start having a biblical worldview and the very things that God was concerned about in Christ, we become concerned about. Then we start to see God unleash his power in our midst and watch God do a great thing. I got a confession for you, okay? I got a confession for you. I gave you one last week if you were here. Remember I told you how I've watched um, High School Musical five times? Remember that? I know I had to give my man card over, but I did that for my daughter, right? 
Here's another one, and, and I'm, I'm probably not really proud about this, and I'm, this, might, this might sting for some of you, but I don't mean it to be. Like, you know what? I don't typically enjoy prayer request time in Christian circles. I just don't. I'm sorry. And it's not because I don't pray. It's not because I don't like to pray. But the reason I don't enjoy most prayer request praises time at the end of Sunday schools or at the end of Bible studies or life groups or whatever, the reason I don't like them that much is because of the subject matter. Have you been in these circles? Lord, bless my grandma. She has corns on her feet. Really? We're going to pray to the God of the universe about corns? Huh? Huh? Sorry. I know some of you are going to think less of me by the time I'm done with this little illustration. But I'm, I'm like, really? Like, have you heard this one? God, and I, I'm a sports guy, man. I love me some sports. God, Michigan State, I knew I'd get to look up. <laughs> Michigan State is playing tonight. God, will you just help us get a victory? I'm sorry, guys. I think God has more important things to worry about than a football game and Michigan State winning. Amen. Can I get an Amen. amen. Oh, I got a little more traction on that one. You didn't like me talking about grandma's feet, did you? Really? Huh? What about this one? I can't stand this one, man. God, God, we want to pray for Betsy tonight. Because God, you know, you know that she is backslidden, Lord. Lord, would you bless that boy that she was seen with parking out on that dirt road late Friday night? Lord... Lord, would you, would you bless that baby that we hear is coming on the way? God, would you help her, help her have that child? And God, would you just help her get right? What? what? The prayer time just turned into a chief gossip session. Have you been to any of these? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, guys? I, I believe, actually, that you can tell a lot about a family... Or about a church, or about a life group, or about anything if you listen to what they pray for. Like, you've heard this one. And again, I'm so sorry if you think less of me, and, but you know, I just, I just, I am who I am. Like, what about this one? Have you been in the meeting before? Lord, I want to pray for my granddad. Lord, please heal him. We want him, along, we want him around a little bit longer, and God... He, we know he's 109 years old, but God, would you just please heal him and keep him with us? Now, listen, listen, I understand your love for your granddad, and I understand that you want him around, and, and I would too. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, guys, don't you think that maybe the best thing that could happen to your granddad at that age for him is to go and be with the Lord? Two weeks ago, I know, some of you are going, man, you, sounds mean. I'm sorry, I'm just being real. Two weeks ago, I was with my granddad. And um, he's 91 years old, Ivan Kelly. And I was with him. His, um, his beloved wife, Ida, um, died about two years ago. And uh, when I was gone this summer, granddaddy had a stroke. And um, he, he just got, 
it really took its toll on him. And he got put in a wheelchair, and I knew the pride would be hard for Granddad. When I got word that Granddad was going into a wheelchair, I was like, oh, that's probably the beginning of an end. And, and, and it was, and he couldn't speak from the, from the stroke. And so two weeks ago, and those of you who follow me on Twitter, you saw this, and you saw a picture of it. Two weeks ago, I, I went to see my Granddad. And you've heard my story about my family before and my parents, and I'm still praying for them to really find the Lord. But my granddad, one generation above, my granddad and grandma, I mean, they're just unbelievable, godly Christians. And um, so I went to be with him, and I was sitting there, and I spent about an hour and a half with him and, and just talking to him, and, and he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say anything to me because he couldn't. He just, but he was understanding everything that I was saying. And so finally I said, I said, hey, granddad, I said, um, if you get to heaven before me, tell Jesus I can't wait to see him face to face and give grandma my love. And, um, and then I did, I did because I I as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, he might think I'm saying that you're getting ready to die, granddad. So, so I kind of backpedaled a little bit and I said, and by the way, granddad, if I get there before you, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell grandma you send your love and that you're on your way. And and, and when I said that, granddad, who is just a strong Irish man who I've never seen cry before, he actually reached out and grabbed my hand, lifted his head back, and closed his eyes, and with a smile on his face, dropped a big old tear that ran right down his cheek. And I lost it. And I just started praying. And I'm weeping and I'm praying at the same time. And when I'm done, I, I, I say amen and I have to actually get up and walk away. And I thought on the way home, I thought, you know what? I never even felt led to pray, hey, God, keep granddad around a little bit longer. Because, guys, when we start to understand eternity, when we start to understand that this life that we live here, this short life of 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years at best, flies by and that it can only really be understood in the whole scope of eternity, we start to understand that sometimes the very best thing that can happen to those who are aging, who've lived full lives, you know what I mean, is to actually go... And meet their Lord who waits with them with open arms and says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Notice it's not a selfish request. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Write in the word audacity. Notice the prayer has audacity. I mean, this is a big, bold prayer. It's kind of like the prayer of Hani. It's, it, the word of the Lord says this in verse 8, Luke eleven eight. Yet because of your shameless audacity, circle that phrase, shameless audacity. Church, I want to let you know that it's perfectly fine to pray big, bold prayers of shameless audacity. Remember last week we talked about boldness? I ended my message last week about this church being bold and that we will not tap out and we are going to fight this battle and we are going to die trying to reach every single person who is far from God. Remember that? What if our prayer life then started to lift that dream up? What if we actually started to pray big, bold prayers? 
Audacity, my dictionary says, makes regular people daring. Any daring people in the house? Makes regular people bold and behave with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional fault. Audacious prayers, that's where dead dreams get resurrected. Hello. Audacious prayers, that's where vision for your life in Christ becomes crystal clear. Shameless, audacious prayers, that's where financial bonds are broken. Shameless prayers are where leadership breakthroughs burst forth. Shameless, audacious prayers, that's where addictions are broken. Marriages restored. Lives are found. Sins are forgiven. Audacious faith is where congregations such as New Hope Church become life-saving stations, lifting up the light of Christ and pushing back the darkness and actually making a difference in this sin-scarred world. Audacious prayer, audacious faith is where new hope, literally new hope, comes alive. And audacious prayer is where the enemy trembles in fear because God's people, listen church, actually believe God for the miraculous and the impossible and they act upon that belief. That's what audacious prayers is for. If you're going to clap, you need to clap better than that because our God is able. Dr. Bob Bagley was a missionary to Africa. True story. Dr. Bob Bagley was in Africa, and they didn't have much, and he led a movement that started growing, and they actually met outside under a shade tree. And as the movement started growing and getting bigger and bigger, one day, a witch doctor came by. True story. And a witch doctor came by and cursed the tree that they met under as a shade tree as a way of saying, be gone from here. Story tells us that the tree actually died. So Dr. Bob Bagley called the community together, gathered around the dead shade tree. Again, true story. Laid hands on the tree and prayed for the tree. Now listen, church, I've laid hands on a lot of things. Dying people, living people, babies, whatever. I've never laid hands on a tree. Dr. Bob Bagley laid hands on a tree around the community and prayed that the tree would actually come back to life, and it did. It did. And what's more, the tree was one of the only trees in the village that actually gave fruit twice a year. So with a big, bold, shamelessly audacious prayer, God brought the tree back to life, gave them fruit in the process. Now, I don't know about you. I need stories like that. Like, I need to be reminded that our God is able to do anything he wants to do. I need to serve and love a God of the impossible. Am I the only one? I love stories like that. Here's the key point, and don't miss this, guys. Oh, my Lord, if you write down anything, please write this down. Probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. When you are praying the will of God, again, not selfish navel-gazing, when you're praying the purposes and God's ultimate will for your life, it is not your reputation that is at stake. It is God's reputation on the line. Don't miss that. Because one of the reasons why we don't pray big, bold, shamelessly audacious prayers, listen, 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 it's because you're too worried about your reputation. And I'm too worried about my reputation. 
we actually get so caught up in what other people think about us that we don't pray big, bold prayers anymore. That's the third thing. Notice the prayer has total disregard for personal reputation. Total disregard, right in the word reputation. I want to tell you something. This will change the way you pray. When you pray with the right motives, it is not your reputation at stake, but God's reputation on the line. So you can pray a big, bold prayer. This is so freeing. You can pray a big, bold bold prayer and walk away and say, God, that's your reputation online. I'm not going to wear that, God. I'm going to let you be responsible for it because after all, you're God and I am not. This is key. The year was 2001. And um, my wife and I had just returned from Asbury Theological Seminary up in Kentucky We had landed in Chapel Hill, and we were getting ready to start this church. And we had a a house, and there was an upper room where the core visionary team, first it was my wife and our three kids, then the core visionary team started growing, and we met in the upper room of that home. I'm looking at some of you, and you remember that room all too well. You might also remember that what I used to do in those days, again, this was before the church started in 2002, what I used to do in those days is I would have these events called come and see. Called what church? Come and see events. Jesus, when he would call the disciples, he would say, come and see. When when the disciples would go and tell others about Jesus, they would say, come and see. So I would have these come and see events. And what, this is the way the events would go down. I would, because we knew some people in the area, because we'd lived here before. I, I found as many people as I knew who lived in different neighborhoods. And I would ask them to host a come and see event at their home. And I would explain to them, all you got to do is open up your home, pick your socks up off the floor and dirty underwear, open up your home, put on some candles, maybe provide a little food, and I'm going to invite a group, and I want you to invite anybody you know in your neighborhood to come to your house for a come and see event. And when they show up, I'll show up, you feed them, I'll cast vision, I'll tell them about the church, and we'll invite them to come help us start this church. Are you tracking with me? You with me? Come and see. Very, very effective way to kind of spread out across a geographical area. I shall never forget one come and see event. I'm sitting there, and man... Coach, I'm casting vision. I'm reading the dream that's out there on the wall as you walk out in the rotunda on the left-hand side. I'm reading the dream. I'm telling them that we're going to reach people for Jesus. We're going to teach them the word of God. We're going to release fully devoted followers. We're going to change the spiritual landscape of central North Carolina. I'm slinging it and bringing it, if I might say so myself. And finally, this one guy goes, how are you going to do that? I said, I just told you how we're going to do it. He goes, quote, unquote, he goes, you're never going to be able to do that unless you reach the blue blood of Chapel Hill. Now, I I didn't even know what blue blood was. I I was like, dude, I thought we all have red blood. (laughs) Well, he goes, goes, you're not going to be able to do it unless you reach the blue blood. He goes, it costs to grow a church like you're talking about. And I started to pick up on what he meant by blue blood. He meant this church will never be successful unless you go after the established wealthy of Chapel Hill so that they can get behind your vision and support you. He happened to be a blue blooder, if you know what I mean. And so I took a deep breath. I think it's one of those defining moments. And I said, sir, 
with all due respect, we will never target a group of people because they have or don't have money. I said, with all due respect, sir, we're not going to target people due to the color of their skin. I said, we are going to go after every living, breathing person who needs Jesus. And he said, it ain't going to happen. Um, I go to a basketball camp every year. I'm, I'm, I know I'm good friends with Eric Montrall. So yeah, I go to his camp every single year. It's a great, great basketball camp. I see this guy at the camp every year. I take my kids to the camp. And can I tell you that in my sinful moments, <laughs> I want to I wanna look at him and go, Psst. We didn't go after the blue blood, baby. But the church is making it. Listen, guys. It's about your personal reputation. It's about you not being consumed with what others are going to think about you and instead aligning your life. Listen with the things of God and expecting God to show up and strut his stuff as he loves to do and do the miraculous among you so that everybody around you starts going, wow, that person couldn't have done that. That was God. Personal reputation is key. I have to tell you, I believe that one of the greatest tragedies, if you're taking notes, here's the second most important thing you probably don't want to write down today. I believe one of the greatest tragedies in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. One of the greatest tragedies in life, I'll repeat it because it's not on the screen, would be the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. I mentioned my granddaddy earlier. I've just really been thinking about him. I got the call Friday night at 10 p.m. that he had passed. And I, I, I sat up late that night just reflecting upon granddaddy. And I had this thought before Almighty God. I thought, you know what, Lord, I don't think I would even be saved today if it wasn't for the fact that my grandmama and my granddaddy, people of great faith, prayed for me every single day while I was in the far country. Every single... Can, can you imagine how foolish it must have looked? They, they went to their Sunday school. They went to big Presbyterian church. They went to their Sunday school. And I, I caught word of this after I became a Christian. Week after week after week, they would put their grandson on the prayer list. Can you imagine how foolish it looked to keep praying for a sin-scarred boy who kept getting incarcerated, incarcerated, incarcerated that close to death, but they kept praying over and over and over again. What kind of prayers are you praying these days? Are, are you praying any prayers these days? If not, it's okay. It's, it's time to raise our prayer life, church. It's time to, it's time to take territory in God's strength and not our own. It's time to lean on God like we never have 
before, church. It's time to start asking God to do big, bold things. And I believe that if we will get shamelessly audacious, God's going to pour out his power. He's going to unleash his strength and his mercy on this church like we have never seen it before. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the challenge. Here's the circle maker challenge, week number one. Are you ready? Say amen. Here's the first thing. I want you to set a specific prayer time each and every day. Each and every day. I want you to set a prayer time whereby you go, and and I would encourage you to set a place too. Like for me, it really helps me to have a place. Some of you know about my cross in the woods and my bench. And and I have a few of chairs inside my house. One particularly that I like that chair. You know what I mean? So go choose a time and maybe a place to pray every single day at the same time. Will you do that? You you don't have to answer it. Just think about it. Will you you do that? Here's the second thing I want to challenge you to do. I want you to ask the Lord Jesus to teach you how to pray and then just pray. I mean, just pray. Listen, you don't need a formal theological education. You can't get it wrong. You're just a child coming to your Heavenly Father. Just pray your honest heart. Share the desires of your heart. Listen, He is your Father. And He loves to give good gifts to His children. So just pray. Here's the third thing. Will you join me? Will you join me in a 21-day prayer and fasting season? Starting September 23rd, I'm giving you a week to warm up to the idea. I'm going before you this week. I'm going on ahead of you. But I want to invite you to join me a week from today, September 23rd, and to join me in a 21-day prayer and fasting season. Listen, there are parts of Scripture where Jesus says this one can only be done through prayer and fasting. Now, some of you are like, dude, I don't believe in that fasting stuff. I like to eat. Um, Well, you can fast something else. It doesn't have to be food. Some of you eat three Snickers a day. You need to fast those bad boys. And I say that only because Snickers is the best candy bar ever on the planet. Why am I talking about food? I guess because I'm getting ready to fast. You can fast. You could fast um, an activity. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, I like that. <laughs> honey, I'm not doing the dishes this way. For 21 days, honey, I'm not doing the dishes. <laughs> Some of you could fast coffee, caffeine. I don't know why in the heck you would want to do such a thing. <laughs> Fasting is supposed to put you in the presence of God, which is why I've never chosen to fast coffee. Speaking of my granddad, I don't think I've said this in this service. The first thing he and grandma bought, the very first thing they bought right after the wedding was they went to a store and they bought a Bible and a coffee pot. Which might be one of the reasons I love the word and a cup of coffee in the morning. But what do you want to fast? What might... Some of you know I've done this two times in the life of our church. It's the Daniel's fast. I've led our church through this. I think I might put some of that back on my blog this week or next week. So for those of you who want to. The Daniel's fast, in my opinion, is one of the best fasts out there. It comes from Daniel in the Bible, the book of Daniel. Daniel asked the 
the, the king, the royalty. Hey, can we abstain from your fine food and your fine wine? And we just want to eat vegetables. And so what I've led our church through is for 21 days, I eat nothing but fruits and vegetables. It's a great fast. Drink a lot of water. Will you join me? You choose what you fast. But a 21-day fasting and prayer season. And here's the last one. Will you join me? Will you make an effort to join me every single Sunday during the Circle Maker? Five weeks. You might not know this, guys, but most people come to church only about twice a month. Would you make a a conscious effort that you are not going to miss a single Sunday during the circle maker? Guys, what if we took this challenge? What if we prayed like never before? What if we prayed every single day? What if we did some fasting? What if we joined in here every single Sunday and went after this prayer season, guys? What What if we got desperate for God? Like, like what if we stopped going through the motions and we actually got desperate for God? Because here's what I find when I read the scriptures, I see that those who are most desperate for God are the ones who most experience God. I think of a prostitute who crashes a party at a Pharisee's house. A prostitute crashes a party and starts washing Jesus' feet. Can you say awkward? But she experienced Jesus. I think of a tax collector who was seen as the worst of sinners during that day. And some of them still are. Amen? Amen. I think of a tax collector who climbed up in a tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus said, you come on down. Let's go have lunch together. I think of Magi. Who, how ridiculous is this? Started following a star from Timbuktu. That led him right to the place where Christ was born. And Jesus. Imagine how foolish he looked with a crown of thorns jammed upon his head. Tapped into the power of Almighty God the Father who raised him to life. That we might have life abundantly. I'm so glad you're here today. I hope you'll join me for the next five weeks and I hope you will go after this subject of prayer like you have never gone after anything in your life before. And I can promise you that if you do, listen guys, I say all the time, we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. If we go after this church, I can categorically tell you that I don't even have a clue to the extent to which the best is yet to come. Father, we're going to wrap it up right there. Father, your people have responded. Father, you know what we need. You know where we have fallen short. So God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray for our church. God, I pray that revival would take place. God, I pray for an awakening. God, I pray that your spirit would descend upon this church as you descended in the rain this morning. Father, that we would experience your power and your presence like never before. Father, that you would unleash things that we can't even begin to imagine. God, that this church would look around in the days and the months and the years ahead and all we can say is it's God. Nothing can explain what is going on here 
but G-O-D. So God, blow our minds. Bring forth an awakening in this church and in every church that Jesus Christ might shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Bring forth an awakening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you'd like to financially support the movement of New Hope Church, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.